Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? I am conventioned out, Amy. Yeah, last week you said you were rested and then you turned around and went to another convention, which I'm not sure how smart that was. See, I went to the woods. I just sat in silence and uh, kind of recovered, and you went to another convention. Yes, and it was good. I went to the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Dallas this week, and it was a good week and um, a good convention, and I enjoyed seeing people there and talking to people. I got, I, I'm got. going to talk about uh, one of the conversations I had later in the episode when we get to our resources of the week, but um, it, it, was a, it was a good week and got to hang out with some people that I don't get to see very often. And I'm tired. Well, I so, it, understandably, yes. But hey, here's one thing I did do, Amy. Yeah. So I was there. I had five meals in Dallas. Okay. All five involved queso and Tex-Mex. Well, that's important. If you're in, when in Texas. Five for five. When in Texas. Yes. yes. And, and and have I told you how much I love Torchy's tacos? Many times. Holy smokes. Those Many are good. times you have. So. Well, uh, I'm I'm glad you're back and settling in and recovering there in Nashville. So maybe maybe things will slow down for you guys. Yeah. So yeah, back in the saddle, everything just kind of normal at work now. So, uh, but yeah, NRB was good. If anybody, uh, any of our listeners were there, or uh, you know, had people you know from your group that were there, it, it was a good week. So uh, a good convention. Our friend Dan Darling, good friend of the pod is a vice president over there and helped put that on. Conrad Close, also a friend of the pod, um, was there. Saw Elizabeth Bristow even uh, from the ERLC, and she she works with those guys a little bit. So um, it was, was kind of neat to see some familiar faces, and everyone was like, I can't believe you're here after last week. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm here. So Very cool. So how was glamping? Oh, glamping was great. We, I mean, we RV'd 15 minutes away from the house, so that's not – much of a trip except it's my favorite spot around here and so it it was great not didn't do a whole lot just just rested and recovered so it you know was, something you did do this week amy what you turned a year older i did i did and i feel old so big big four five so I know you weren't yeah, well, asking. Happy birthday. I know you weren't asking, but I'll just go ahead and I give it up. Bring it up. The, I knew the big, what it was, the big I four or five this week. Yeah. So a year older. Thank you for mentioning. Yes, you're welcome, uh, and and happy birthday, Amy. I hope you had a good one. All right. Uh, well, Amy, we're going to jump into this week's show, kind of a light show, which is normal after the SBC annual meeting. We're going to talk a little bit about what we're going to do in July later in the episode as well, because typically this time of year, a little bit slow in our world. So we'll see that this week in our episode here. But before we get into that, we do want to thank our friends over at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, where you can get the theological training and the hands-on experience you need to thrive in ministry. Wherever and however God is calling you to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission, Southwestern offers a degree path to equip you. Whether you're pursuing a bachelor, master's, or doctoral degree, Southwestern Seminary is here to walk alongside you as you live your calling. You can find out more at swbts.edu. Got a little bit of Southwestern news coming up later. Or we're going to talk some about uh, their faculty here in just a few minutes. But we start in Nashville, Amy, as we have for the last uh, couple of weeks here. The SBC gathering that we had, the annual meeting, 
It is the largest we've had in 25 years. We knew that, but we got some more breakdown this past week when we started looking at some of the messenger breakdown and who came and where they came from, and it's pretty fascinating. That's right. It's uh, it's it's really interesting to see the breakdown after the annual meeting is over. Always is, but for sure this year because there were so many. So we had 15,726 messengers. It says nearly 80%. The survey told us that nearly 80% uh, said that they drove. So like proximity was a huge factor in this. Um, but this is the second consecutive annual meeting that had messengers, at least one from all 50 states, plus Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico. So pretty, pretty crazy. 38% attending their first SBC annual meeting ever, and most coming from churches that had not previously sent messengers. That's the stat that I, that I love uh, to hear because this is what we've been wanting for the last few years. Well, we, we saw that in Birmingham, 3,400 churches sent messengers. It was 3,428. This time it was 5,570, a 62.5% increase in the number of churches that sent messengers to the annual meeting. And you and I have talked about this. The The way to get more messengers is not to get, well, I mean, the easy way. Uh, there You can do it through the other way. But the easier way to get more messengers in to the annual meeting is to have more churches send messengers. That's right. Because we usually average about three messengers per church. That, that was this year. It was like 2.8 something. So it's a little under three messengers per church. So if you want to have 10,000 messengers, uh, and, and usually it's a little bit lower. It's usually about two and a half messengers a church. Um, I guess somebody comes pregnant. But um, it's, you know, you got to get 4,000 churches or more, 5,000 churches to get over that 10,000 barrier that we've been talking about. That's right. So it says that, that uh, nearly 40% of messengers attending for the first time, like we said, but the age breakdown was still pretty typical. 30% over the age of 60, 24% under the age of 40, 45%, almost half between the ages of 40 and 60. So that's, that's pretty normal. Uh, messenger makeup still largely church staff and pastors. So 41% of messengers were senior pastors of churches, another 15% on church staff. 4% of attendees were on staff with local associations. Now, this is interesting to me. This is something that we hear a lot, that you and I have heard a lot uh -huh. for years, that uh, uh, talking about messengers being mostly denominational employees, 3.2% were staff members of national SBC entities. And I actually think that's good. I, I think we need to be a convention that's largely made up of pastors, staff, lay people from churches. And so uh, I, th I thought that was a, an interesting stat as well to hear. Yes. And, and that breakdown, I mean, it, it was about half and half for like North American International Mission folks and entity people. So, um, yeah, it, it that's a very small number, but, you know, it's good to see them there. But, you know, the messengers from the churches are what really make up. The, the crowd at the annual meeting. So uh, here's another stat, not in the story, Amy, 1.1% were seminary students. So that's like 165 seminary students at came. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. We got to see a lot of those uh, who were part of the seminary classes. Yeah, and that's important because what we hope is that that will turn into, like, let's say we keep having, if we were to have that many seminary students coming as uh, part of a class or whatever, 
then what we hope is that they'll come back, that they'll bring staff members, they'll be at churches one day, and that this starts to spark kind of their participation in the annual meeting. Absolutely. So get that next generation of church leaders involved and involved early. So uh, that was really cool to see. And again, 15,726 final count of messengers. Uh, Just stunning. I just, it's hard to believe. Yep. Really, really incredible. And it was a great week. I tell you, in the sort of decompression, one thing that has really disappointed me was how many friends I did not get to see. So I'll hear about people Keith got to see and talk to, and I didn't. And so to have that many people there and to be, really, we were just tied up with so much stuff. So if I didn't get to see you, I missed you. Um, I did get to meet, though, I want to say, friend of the pod, new friend, um, Alex Ward. And Julie Masson, our mutual friend, uh, introduced us. And I just wanted to give a shout out to him because I, I was pretty excited to uh, to make that connection. And he said in a great tweet thread, he said he walked out of the annual meeting more committed to the SBC and why we gather as a denomination. So uh, that was awesome. that 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 was very cool. That's the kind of thing we want to see from messengers. Well, Amy, you know where a lot of your friends and and fellow seminary folks were during the annual meeting, and that's at the Women in Scholarship meeting, and we've got a story on that this week. Yes, this this was really exciting. So, the societies for women in scholarship um, that they span across three SBC seminaries. So, this is a group that started at Southeastern Seminary in 2016 when uh, two friends of mine and uh, friends of yours, uh, Amber Bowen and Becca Stone King, they started meeting over coffee, just talking. They were were both uh, Southeastern students at the time, and just. They were just talking, sharing ideas, things like that. And then other women started kind of entering the conversations with them and they saw a need for an opportunity to net an opportunity to network as students, you know, to to kind of move around theological scholarship. So they started this Society for Women in Scholarship. It's been going for a few years at Southeastern. Well, then new societies popped up at Southwestern and New Orleans. And so it's been an exciting thing to see this prototype kind of, you know, multiply. And then at the annual meeting, for the first time, all the societies met together. So it is great to see things like this, to see some groups popping up like um, Society for Women in Scholarship, Women in Work, SBC Women's Leadership Network, because they these are groups that are specifically designed to help women make connections with each other across common ground. And so this was a really cool thing. Baptist Press has a story that Lauren Pratt did, a good friend of the pod, good friend of mine from uh, Southeastern here. She did a great story, and that has run. We have that in the show notes uh, to to see that. And I'm imagining that's the first of many gatherings. Absolutely. So very cool to see that pop up on the radar this year because uh, we got more women in seminary than ever before, and, and our seminary is being trained uh, for Christian ministry. So very cool to see that society pop up at these seminaries and looking forward to it being at all six of our seminaries one day. Amy, some news from LifeWay Research this week on a theme of the annual meeting. That's right. So LifeWay Research did a survey among U.S. Protestant pastors 
that uh, that talks about it, asks the question, should pastors permanently withdraw from public ministry if they commit uh, sexual abuse? So 83% said yes for child sexual abuse. 74% said yes for sexual assault of an adult member of the congregation or staff. And 27% said yes uh, for adultery, which is kind of pulled out as a, a different category. And so... This is actually very interesting in light of the resolution that was passed saying that any person who has committed sexual abuse is permanently disqualified from holding the office of pastor. Now, this is not speaking about the spiritual uh, status of an individual or the opportunity for repentance um, for transformation in Christ. This is talking specifically about qualifications for pastoral ministry. And, uh, and it's just an interesting conversation that the resolution, you know, continued. But this is from some Lifeway Research surveys from 2020 and 2019 and really shows the statistics that back up that opinion that was expressed last week at the annual meeting by the convention. And also, it really backs up the actions of the executive committee in the last couple of years where three churches were disfellowshipped. And it was specifically for that kind of the, the a difference of opinion in that area that they had pastors on staff who were uh, convicted sexual offenders and uh, had were either on the registry, had been convicted of abuse, and they were maintaining their pastoral role. And this was just said, this is not, you know, we're, we're not in friendly cooperation. We're not in the same place on this. So this is just a continued kind of confirmation on this discussion about abuse and what it means to be above reproach. Yes, and I do wonder if this would change now. I mean, as we are seven or eight months, it probably wouldn't change much. Uh, but this data, like you said, was from September of 2020. So you're looking at about seven or eight months ago, maybe nine months ago. I do wonder if it would change some now if if you asked the same question today to Protestant I don't know. pastors. I don't know. So. And and I do remember this is Protestant pastors, not just Southern Baptists. So you know, I, I would be fascinated to see the breakdown even of the um, the denominational affiliation there. So uh, fascinating stuff. All right, and then unfortunately, Amy, our final story this week uh, tied kind of to this topic: a pastor in North Carolina has been arrested after being charged with one count of indecent liberties with a child and two counts of statutory sex offense. Yes, this is Trent Holbert, former pastor now of the Ridge Church. He was arrested last month, um, has already appeared in court. And uh, and so this is obviously really, really difficult. A church elder has already announced um, that he resigned from his position, that they do not condone such actions as alleged, that they want to protect children and minors. They're very concerned. Also, the North Carolina State Convention released a statement that they were deeply grieved by the charges, said that he had been a speaker at convention-related events, but underwent all background reference checks, things like that. Uh, they were not aware that he had any any issues uh, with this, but obviously now that is in the hands of authorities, and everyone is kind of dealing dealing with this. I'm sure they are are reeling. Just a, a tough story there in North Carolina. And 
something we'll continue to to monitor, and if we have any news on that, we'll pass that along. Well, that's a we mentioned it was a short news week this week, Amy, and that's kind of it for our news this week. But that does bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. We're going to go back to 1971 to a fun announcement, uh, really related to the entertainment world, and it uh, it it was kind of a summer announcement. The Carol Burnett Show, which was very popular at this time, was going to kind of go off for the summer, obviously, like happens with uh, with TV shows. And I guess instead of going into reruns, they were going to have the summer replacement. You know, we have summer shows like what America's Got Talent, things like that. A variety show featuring a musical group from the Lemon Grove Baptist Church in San Diego, California. This was the top story on Baptist Press that Southern Baptists... Southern Baptist youth would be replacing Carol Burnett on TV. So it's called The Newcomers, and it was a program that would be hosted by Dave Garraway. So some folks who uh, have, you know, interest in, in, you know, today's show history, NBC history, uh, Dave Garraway was very well known. He would be hosting it, but it would open and close with music by 10 talented Baptist youth who call themselves the Californians. So this was a group that had been organized by the Minister of Music and Education at the Lemon Grove Baptist Church. Um, But this was a big deal. They were going to be on national television, estimated viewing audience of 40 million people. There's a great, a great story. There were uh, 10 singers in the group. You know, this actually made me think of this sort of 10 youth uh, coming together, it made me think of the the um. What's the show that we love to talk about? The Road Rules, the SBC version of Road Rules. Oh, why am I? Pr- yeah, Truth Quest. Yeah, Truth Quest. It just makes me think of that, like all these ten, you know, ten youth kind of going going around. But it's actually, I, I take that back. It said something about ten earlier in the story, but it looks like maybe they had uh have twelve because there were some other soloists that were going to participate also. And I, I mean, I'm geeking out over this because I'm reading that some of the uh, some of the people who were participating had also been on the Lawrence Welk show, which I'm a big fan of that um, because I'm just an old person. And then uh, uh, and and then there they were already starting to tape. They were getting ready and excited Um so it was kind of like 40 years ago, our own version of America's Got Talent, but it included youth from the Lemon Grove Baptist Church. So that's what was happening 40 years ago this week in SBC history. Very cool. Yeah. That's really neat. Well, I wonder if there's video out there of this. I've never heard know. of this show. I'm going to I'm gonna have to get on YouTube and see if I can find some yeah, old see if video we can find see if we can find the newcomers. I mean, that's a pretty big deal taking over the Carol Burnett slot. Well, I mean, yeah. That's like taking over Friends or Seinfeld or something in the you know two thousands yeah. or nineties. That's that was the prime time show. Got to be some of these folks still out there that could talk about this, kind of like the Truth Quest folks that we keep wanting to have on here, but we can't get them to come. I should just like wrangle a few of them and get them on here. So that'd be fun. All right. Well, yes, we need a reunion. I'm gonna work on that. Okay, I'll work on that. Let's see what I can pull off. Let's see. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? A new Ellie Holcomb album that I think dropped today. Yeah, you know, I saw her live like a week ago. I know you did, and I didn't because I was 
taking care of stuff. I can't believe that. It I was sat this, right next to Keith and watched Ellie Holcomb. Which I should have been sitting right next to Keith watching Ellie Holcomb. And meanwhile, I was working. How is it that you're my boss and you were getting to go sit and watch Ellie Holcomb and I was working? Because one of us was tied up in committee meetings and the other was not. I know, I know. But uh, Ellie has a new album. It came out this week. I'm excited. I've already been listening to it this morning. It's called Canyon. Very good. Uh, I just love her music. Just just really oh, She sang really that song incredible. the other day. Well, there you go. The title cut. I, I, I figured she probably would have sung something from her new album that was coming out. So, yep. All right. Well, so yeah, check, check out. out the new Ellie Holcomb album. I, I'm sure that's playing on vinyl in the Whitfield house today. Um, maybe not vinyl today because it just probably came not, out. Probably so yeah, not. Yeah, not you, vinyl today on the iPhone, but not still. Yet. Not that's yet. Right. That's Vinyl's right. in the mail. All right. Uh, my resource of the week is a new podcast that I am absolutely enthralled by, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. So Mars Hill Church, Mark Driscoll, many of you are aware of that and the rise and fall of it. And Mike Cosper, who I um, saw at NRB and got a chance to talk to for 20 or 30 minutes, and um, just a, a good friend of the pod. He's up at Sojourn Church in Louisville and, and does a lot up there. And And he has put together this podcast with Christianity Today that is chronicling the rise and fall of Mars Hill Church up in Seattle. So uh, our good friend Ed Stetzer is featured prominently in the first episode. Um, There's some audio from Paul Tripp and others, and it is a fascinating look at uh, the the first episode is who killed Mars Hill. So it's just a a fascinating episode and highly recommend it. It It is an hour long and it is just enthralling. So I've been saving this. I'm actually going to listen to it this weekend because I've seen a lot about it and I just wanted to kind of have the right time to just dedicate some time to it. Because as I understand it, obviously a lot of us are not from there, have not, like we never went to Mars Hill, but Mars Hill was kind of a microcosm for a greater evangelical movement. And so the questions that really come into play about Mars Hill and how it sort of had this meteoric rise. I mean, when you say rise, I mean, it was, it was fast. And then it had quite a, a, a a fall too. I think, I think the story of it is a, is a bigger story that a lot of us were a part of, whether we were just kind of observers or, or something. So wrestling with this and what happened, I think is something that, that just goes bigger than that one church. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of excited and a little and a little apprehensive about diving in today. Well, uh, you're gonna you're gonna find the themes that you just kind of mentioned. How it's a bigger problem. You're gonna find that throughout. So it's it's a um, it's a fascinating look. And, and I will say this: like I I was never a Driscoll guy. I don't know if I've ever heard a full sermon by him. I, I never read hardly any of his stuff. Um, I have his books just because I got them sent to me at times, uh, some of them at least. But I've I've never read his stuff. I've never really listened to it. So I, it, this is kind of a unfamiliar territory for me because I just okay. never was into Driscoll. Yeah, so, we, I mean, we had a lot of his But books. I know I've got like friends that were like right. all in. Right. I but, would say, I would say the Whitfields were somewhere in the middle. We had a lot of his books. Um, I used to listen to the sermon podcast uh, every week and we heard him speak in a couple of places. Advanced the Church, which was a big uh, conference, interestingly enough, here in Durham in 2009. And we came down oh, yeah. for that. We came down for that, which is just kind of weird looking back on on that whole conference and all the speakers and people we didn't know at the time and and stuff. But 
I would say we weren't necessarily all in, but we were definitely tracking a lot and reading a lot, listening to a lot. So be very interesting. Yes, it will be. So, um, but anyway, I do recommend the podcast. It's fascinating. Mike Cosper did a bang up job. I mean, it is just tremendous. The production, the storytelling, the writing, all of it is just absolutely tremendous. So, uh, Mike Cosper, well done. CT, well done. And, uh, do check that one out. So, so that'll do it for our show this week. Before we go, we want to talk a little bit about July and some kind of changes yep. moving ahead. So yep. Amy, take it away. Yeah. So a couple of things. One, our July is going to look a little bit different. We're going to kind of go on a little hiatus, but not necessarily the podcast. We're going to have some interviews that we're going to put in uh, the bank. I think you're going to do a lot of the heavy lifting on this, but uh, already trying to line up some people that might be interested. Didn't you say you've already gotten Don Currents, right? Yeah, we got Don Currents. We're going to have Ed Litton, I think, Todd Unzicker, and a couple of others that I'm, I'm working on. I think Hans Dilbeck's going to join us. So we got the the registration secretary, the new SBC president, the new North Carolina State Convention exec, and the new Guidestone leader over the next four weeks, I think. Yes, and I've still got to sort of secure Ed Litton for this. So now that we've already announced it, he'll have to do it. Because we've already said it. I know so, Kathy listens every week. Kathy, uh, that's we'll right. be getting with Ed and we'll, we'll work that out. Thank you. Be making the interview request. Uh, anyway, so we're going to get some of those in the can. And I think that'll be really good. Have some content. We're going to pre-record history moments, things like that. So that gives a little bit of chance to go on family vacation, get a break. And then uh, when we start back... I'm going to be coming from a little different seat on the bus. So I got some personal news uh, to to share here that I'm making a professional transition, which is a good thing, but it's also a little, little bittersweet. So uh, we'll, we'll still be connected, but I'm not going to be working for you anymore. It's not a bad, it's not on bad terms or anything like that, of course, but I'm going to be going on staff at the Summit Church here in the Raleigh-Durham area. I'll be executive director of communications, and uh, so that's something that kind of came up in the last, uh, the last several months. This will be my first time to work at the local church level. I've only ever worked uh, for denominational entities, but um, just some changes in our family and with the kids at the age they are getting ready to go off to college in the next few years, uh, and then the opportunity to do this at the local church level. It's a good move for uh, for our family and um, just seemed like the right thing to do. So you have been incredibly supportive, Jonathan. And that has has meant a lot to me, has meant a lot to us and to our family. But it will mean that when we return after the interview month, after the month of interviews, I will be coming from a different seat on the bus and bring a little bit of different perspective, I hope. Well, I'm excited for you and I'm excited for the summit. They're getting somebody good. So, but yeah, it's it's been fun having you on the team, Amy, and uh, looking forward to uh, your time at Summit. So it's going to be great. Yep. Well, it has been fantastic and it's been wonderful, even flying back and forth and getting to be with my parents and things like that. But I'll be back kind of working close to home again. So have to learn how to go into the office every day. No, you can't wear pajama pants to work anymore, Amy. You, how would you know? I was in, on Zoom calls. Do you remember the day That's that I? Ca- do you remember the day I zoomed into that meeting and I had a? I was wearing like a t-shirt, oh, but I yeah. wouldn't put a scarf you on. Had a scarf, and, and I, I texted you and was like, "You're totally just put on a scarf over a t-shirt, didn't you?" And you're like, "Yes, I did." <laughs> 
Man, it's the greatest. It's the greatest thing when you need. You know, you try to totally try to busted look, you. Yeah, you that. did try to look professional, but you know. And then one day I had on a very professional, like a nice uh, sweater or something, and then I had like camping pants on or something like that. So that's the joys of working at home. Can't really do that anymore. Um, but nope. good days ahead, and uh, very excited about opportunities uh, for Summit Church. And to to be a part of what's going on there, so that'll be a transition for our family as well uh, to be church members yes. at new Summit. church, That's yeah, right. new church, everything. So so anyway, um, we are still still plugged in. Keith is provost at Southeastern Seminary, so very much a part of that that family, and looking forward to uh, to coming back after a few weeks off, taking a week to the lake with the family and all that. Uh, but we'll still be bringing content to everyone. So we have a great interview slate lined up for July. Uh, we'll still be doing the history moments, resources of the week, those kind of things. We'll pre-tape those, a lot of them, and uh, just drop those in. And I'll, I'll have to do a lot of editing next month. And I'll, I'll bring you kind of the, the weekly news at the front end, and we'll drop into the interviews and then the, the usual content that you're used to here on the podcast. So it's still coming, podcast still coming every week, every Friday here at SBC This Week through the month of July, and uh, we'll kind of pick things up, I guess, back to normal. Unless something crazy happens in July, uh, we may have to pop in and do like right. a normal episode. But, but um, we would but love, the plan is right now. That's right. We'd we would love, love it to not be yeah, if, like that. <laughs> if everyone could just chill for the month of July, that's the goal. Everybody take the month of July off and just listen no to the podcast. Major, and that'd be no it. major news. No major news. Yes. So Please. Yeah. All righty. Well, Amy, I'll see you next week. In a pre-recorded fashion... I'll see you next week.